Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator of this new show that you're listening to right across the province in Calgary on CHQR and in Edmonton on CHED. Now, every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day, and you too will have the opportunity to speak with him to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, and to raise issues that you feel need to be addressed. Now, right off the bat, I'd like our listeners to know that we, in other words, I decide what will be on the show, not the government, and with due respect, not the Premier. To be clear, this show is not an opportunity for callers to either lavish praise on the Premier or to disparage or badmouth them. If you have a criticism, so be it. But let's hear it in a respectful manner. This is your chance to speak with the Premier one-on-one. Don't blow it. And Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. Now, the numbers you can call or text in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And right across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Now, I just wanted to let you know we have a lot of calls, a lot of texts to get to, so please be patient. We will get to you as soon as we can. Premier Kenny, welcome to your province, your Premier. Great. I'm looking forward to it, Wayne. Uh, This is something that Ralph Klein used to do on QR and Chad back in the day, and I think it's just a great opportunity for uh, people to uh, put forward their issues that matter to them, so I'm really looking forward to it. Well, absolutely. Now, it's often been said that Politics is a blood sport, and I'd have to think that the issues you've faced and continue to face in your first three years as Premier are kind of like being subjected to death by a thousand cuts as you head toward next month's leadership review. What do you say to that? Well, uh, first of all, I say that being Premier of Alberta, I think, is just about the best job in Canada, and it's such a great privilege to serve in this role. At the same time, the last two years have been brutally tough for everybody, including those of us in leadership here and elsewhere, right? So we during COVID, we only had... Uh, terribly bad choices to make uh, with real consequences, life and death consequences at times. And uh, so it's been a difficult time. And on top of that, of course, the province is is now emerging from four or five years of economic decline and stagnation. We went through the biggest global economic collapse during COVID, the biggest collapse of energy prices ever. Uh, We inherited an $8 billion uh, deficit, a, a government in Ottawa that's often hostile to Alberta's interests. And despite all of that, I really feel like we're emerging into a, a bright future. So challenging times, but Albertans, we pull, pull ahead, we pull together and, and get over adversity and uh, show that we're Alberta strong. And I think that's what this province is doing. Well, let's talk about the upcoming leadership review. Uh, Think HQ polling uh, re- numbers released last week show that 61% of Albertans want the UCP to replace you but only 41% of those who intend to vote in the leadership want a new leader. Having said that, we've got several thousand UCP members have already registered to vote. Now, that's typically not a good sign, is it? Because just like as in general elections, the rule of thumb is that when turnout rises, change is on the horizon. And you've been out uh, stumping uh, around Alberta. Are you looking to use this show? Is this the opportunism for Premier Kenny? No, listen, if I want to communicate with a few thousand 
conservative uh, convention delegates, uh, there's a lot more efficient ways than doing a Saturday morning radio show. This is to be accessible to the whole province, and that's part of my style. Uh, I often do these Facebook live sessions where we just take uh, sometimes 30 or uh, 40 questions from across the province um, because, you know, I, I this week I did three news conferences and probably about 10 or so interviews with media outlets. So the journalists get... Uh, privileged access, as it were, to decision makers to ask questions that matter to them. And that's good. That's fine. We want a, a strong free press in a democracy. But often they're asking questions that don't uh, that I don't hear from ordinary Albertans when I'm out uh, taking doing town halls or uh, doing call-in shows like this. So this is an opportunity just to be accessible. Again, if I want to speak to three or four thousand uh, conservative members, I, there's more efficient ways of doing that than than a weekly radio show that I hope will carry on for years, like it did with Ralph Klein. Oh. You mentioned a couple of things uh, that have happened uh, this week. And before we get to the calls, and we do have a lot of calls, but I wanted to address uh, the most recent one is uh, having to do with... um, is having to do with your uh, defamation lawsuit against the environmental groups. I mean, that came up. Uh, You are saying that they should apologize, uh, uh, but you're saying that, hey, uh, there was no uh, defamation because the statement that you made wasn't aimed at everybody. So that's still in the works. This is something that, uh, is this something you feel is relevant to Albertans? Well, what's relevant to Albertans is that there has been a highly coordinated foreign-funded campaign for for over a decade to landlock Alberta energy. It started at a conference organized by the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation in New York City in 2008. They called it the Tar Sands Campaign, and their explicit stated goal has been to prevent additional exports of Alberta uh, crude oil. And they've they've been very successful. I, I'll grant them that. Uh, they ran. Uh, they've spent tens of millions of dollars through a variety of tactics and groups. Much of it foreign funded, as the Allen Commission uh, confirms. And that went into electing MPs that would get a prime minister, Justin Trudeau, that vetoed Northern Gateway, that killed Energy East. Uh, They harassed, uh, they used lawfare tactics to delay uh, the Trans Mountain expansion, which is why Kinder Morgan ultimately bailed on that project. And they, they, they also, on the state side of the border... I uh, got two administrations, Obama and Biden's, to veto Keystone uh, XL, in addition to a lot of other damage that they've done, leading right up to last month when we saw a, a violent attack on security workers and uh, construction workers in northern BC working on coastal gas link uh, coming from radical environmental groups. They seemed highly organized, and I think we have every right to ask who's funding them and who's behind that. All right, Mr. Premier, let's uh, take some of the first calls that we have, and we're going to go with uh, Diane right now. Uh, Diane, welcome to your province, your premier. You're on the air. What's your question? Hi, Mr. Kenny. I'd like to ask you, Albertans are aware that Notley closed down the three refineries in Alberta and sold the equipment. Uh, With given what's going on in the world today, we really need to have more than one refinery, the Irvine one in in the Maritimes. Would you, or in the UCP, consider opening and uh, getting our three refineries going again? Even if it's to support Canada alone, but I think we could support more countries. Well, well thank you, Diana. I, I, I would love to see uh, more refineries built here, and um, that, that would be a wonderful thing for our economy. I, I will say that one refinery has recently been constructed and became operational a couple of years ago. That's the Northwest Upgrader near Redwater, um, and, and it 
the story of that upgrade or that uh, refinery reflects the problem why companies won't risk billions of dollars to build refineries uh, in this part of the world. Most refineries are located on coastlines, like in the U.S. Gulf Coast and other areas. Uh, for a number of reasons. One is you have to bring in these huge um, components, often by, uh, to do it efficiently, they're often built overseas and then they're hauled in uh, by sea. Uh, Alberta has a, uh, we have more con- expensive construction costs, a shorter construction season, and uh, higher labor costs, all of which means for a major project like that, you're, you're probably talking north of $20 billion. And so far, we just haven't been able to find private sector investors willing to do that. On the Northwest Upgrader, the government kind of de-risked it. Uh, the Stelmac government went in behind it with loan guarantees and uh, uh, took a lot of the risk on the part of taxpayers. And that project went twi- two times over the budget, and I think it took twice as long as scheduled to get done. And um, it's only producing about 75,000 barrels a day. Uh, so uh, for the cost, really not economical in terms of the economics of refineries. We'd love to see more, and we would certainly help to facilitate that. We've lowered taxes, we've cut red tape, we're doing good things on the labor front, but uh, really it would be up to a private company to step forward and do that. Diane, appreciate your call. Thank you. We'll have to go to our next call right now. we got time for one more before we go to break. This one is uh, Danny. Uh, Danny, you're on the air. Go ahead. What's your question? Thank you very much. Um, I live in Edmonton. Um, the need for schools here is unquestionable, um, and I was wondering why we're not building any schools in Edmonton. Well, thanks, Danny. We, we are. Uh, province-wide, we're building and refurbishing 65 schools. A bunch of those are in Edmonton. I think you're probably referring to this year's capital plan for schools did not include um, Edmonton Public Board because the top two schools that they put forward as their priorities are only at about 60% utilization. So they're underutilized schools. And and uh, what we're looking for are, you know, there's lots of population growth pressure points across the province. Minister LaGrange, our education minister, is work is committed to working with Edmonton Public uh, to do um, a closer analysis and identify where those population needs are strongest. And by the way, on Monday morning, I believe, I'm going to be making an announcement about uh, capital <clears throat> investments in a charter school here in Edmonton. So there are some schools being built and refurbished. Uh, we'll be adding to that on Monday. Uh, and we'd like to, we'd like to work with Edmonton Public uh, to identify other uh, priority projects for next year's capital plan. Danny, thank you for your call. We're going to pause for a break right now. If you'd like to speak with Premier Kenny one-on-one, this is your chance. The number in Calgary is 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. More with Premier Jason Kenny when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. If you're just joining us today, you are listening to Your Province, Your Premier. This is a new show every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta and Edmonton on 630 Chad and here in Calgary on 770 CHQR. It is your opportunity to be heard by the Premier to chat one-on-one with Premier Jason Kenney. Those numbers in Calgary, call or text 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, call or text 780 496 0063 and across the province 1-800-563-7770 now before we get to the calls and we'll be going to ashley next so ashley hang on Uh, i just wanted to take a text message uh from uh oh boy there's a lot of them here let's pick the first one uh from tamara tamara says uh mr premier 
what do you think of the Quebec-Alberta relationship? Example, buying foreign oil. What can be done to bring eastern and western provinces together, in your opinion? Great question, Tamara. And that really... Uh, concerns me. You may remember the night that uh, our, my party was elected to government in April of 2019, I spoke for a few minutes in French, uh, uncharacteristically in our my victory speech, addressing myself to Quebecers about exactly this issue. My pitch was, there's an historic alliance between Alberta and Quebec. We're both defenders of strong provinces within the Canadian Federation, but, but also we should be partners in prosperity. And my pitch was that they benefit so much from the wealth generated in this province, uh, largely through energy uh, re- development, that they have a, a, an interest and they have a, an incentive to help us develop responsibly those resources and get them to global markets. And shortly there, after that, I had uh, a dinner with Quebec Premier Francois Legault and pitched him on this. He basically gave me a hard no on things like oil pipelines, but said we could work together on liquefied natural gas and gas exports. They import a lot from the U.S. And you're right, they do bring in uh, foreign oil from the East Coast, uh, from the Atlantic, uh, uh, from con- OPEC countries and others. Um, and uh, so I thought we could get somewhere on liquefied natural gas, but since then, Quebec has done a total flip-flop. They banned gas development in their own province. They've come out against a proposed big LNG project on the North Shore. This is very frustrating. So uh, I will, you know, I, I hope that the crisis in global energy supply and security right now, because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, causes Quebec to reflect like the rest of the world is. Europe is doing that. They realize they need safer, more secure supply, and that means Alberta. And I, uh, I hope to, to make this point to Premier Legault and Quebec leaders in the very near future. All right, let's go to uh, Ashley. Ashley has been waiting on the phone uh, for a long time. Ashley, you are on the air with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. Um, Premier, I was just wondering, you've wasted a lot of money in your time in office. I'm really nervous because I don't trust you to control my pension. I don't really know anyone else who does or wants you in charge of our retirement. Would you leave our pensions alone? Like, would you leave the pensions as they are and not play with them? Well, no one's. Pl- Thanks, Ashley, for the question. Nobody's playing with uh, with pensions. Uh, defined. If you're talking about <clears throat> government workers who have defined benefit pension plans, those are guaranteed in, in law, and you have uh, what's called a, a. If you're a public sector worker, a vested. Once you're vested, you have a guaranteed access to that pension. It's and and in fact, the obligation, the uh, the risk is all on the side of the taxpayer, the government. Um, so you may, for example, be referring to the decision to bring the management of the Alberta Teachers Retirement Fund into the Alberta Investment Management Corporation. The reason we did that is because money was being wasted. Uh, there was a, a duplicate administration. Administering pensions is a very expensive. You often have to pay the top pension managers north of a million dollars because it's a very competitive skill set. And uh, so by moving that under AIMCO, which all the other public pension funds in Alberta are administered by, uh, we were able to save uh, $40 million for uh, pension uh, participants like teachers and on the other side for taxpayers. So it's more efficient and AIMCO is getting record returns right now, double digit returns. And at the end of the day, even if they were to get, God forbid, negative returns, the government is on the hook. For, to guarantee people's pensions. So I think there's been a, a certain, uh, some perhaps misinformation or misunderstandings about the the uh, government backstop that exists for these uh, public sector defined benefit pensions. All right, thanks very much. And let's get to the next call. Uh, Angeli has been uh, holding on for quite some time. Uh, Angeli, you are on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Go ahead. 
Are you speaking about Angela? Angela, there we go. Sorry. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Dr. Angela Grace here. Um, Mr. Premier, I have a question for you about yes, the draft curriculum. Why have you budgeted $191 million to taxpayer dollars on implementing a draft curriculum that over 40,000 parents, 95% of teachers, the deans of education and educational experts, school trustees and school boards, um, First Nation, Métis and Inuit opposed and say is racist, whitewashed, aggressive and will cause children significant harm. And part two, will you be attending the province-wide Ditch the Draft Curriculum protest on April 2nd? Well, thank you, Dr. Grace. I, I think that qualifies for a heavily loaded question, <laughs> uh, but thank you for it. Uh, so I'll tell you why we're redrafting re- 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 the curriculum, because we have a democratic mandate to do so. One of the key commitments we made to Albertans in the last election was to hit the pause button on the NDP's highly politicized curriculum, to have an open, transparent consulta- consultation process with uh, parents and also subject matter experts and teachers on how to come up with a, a solid, balanced, re- revised curriculum that would uh, provide for especially better outcomes on areas like literacy and numeracy. We've seen, as you know, a worrisome decline in outcomes amongst Alberta students in international standardized tests over the last 15 years, clearly linked to the embrace of failed teaching methods like, for example, discovery math and inquiry learning. So the commitment we made to Albertans was to get back to tried, true, and tested teaching methods and curriculum content that is more content-rich. And that's exactly uh, what we're doing. The, I, I don't accept a lot of the, the premises in your question there. For example, um, the, uh, the, the, the survey of teachers was as a tiny fraction of teachers, but we have delayed implementation of the math and language arts, uh, excuse me, of the, of the social studies and other cur- curriculum subjects for an additional year and more recently for grades four to six for math and language arts, precisely in order to take on board input from uh, from Albertans. So, look, I know that this, unfortunately, has become a bit of a political football, and I know that people on the left want to use the curriculum to inject their political ideology into the curriculum. This government won't do that. We were elected with marching orders to get back to basics in the curriculum. That's exactly what we're doing. So instead, you put, you're put you putting your highly politicized ideology, military, political, and Christian ideology into the curriculum. And what you're saying is you had this mandate to do it. However, um, the Argyle report is, isn't even out yet with a whole bunch more um, survey results, along with the Have Your Say survey, has not been released publicly. So the public actually doesn't know um, what what the experts are saying. All right. Fair question. Uh, Mr. Premier, you have just a short uh, response time for this one before we go to break. So there's Thanks, a Angela. multi-year extensive, transparent and open consultation process. We've actually slowed it down to allow for more consultations because we do want to know what everyone uh, thinks. There's no... In the idea that we... Inc- you know, the NDP draft social studies curriculum had zero mention. You talk about the military. Zero mention of... Uh, a Canadian military history of 120,000 war dead. In what world do you educate a future generation with zero acknowledgement or respect for the contributions of the people who defended our freedom? That's not a militarized curriculum. What we need is a, when it comes to social studies, an accurate and objective reflection of who we are as a society and how we developed. 
Thank you, Mr. Kenny. We're going to pause for the bottom hour news. If you have questions for Premier Jason Kenny, or if you have concerns or issues you feel need to be addressed, phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary and Edmonton. The number is 780-496-0063 across the province, 1-800-563-7770. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenny, and we'll be back with more on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back to the premiere of the new show for listeners throughout Alberta. In Edmonton on 630 Chad and right here in Calgary on 770 CHQR, you are listening to your province, your premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and every Saturday morning at this time, you will have the opportunity to speak with Premier Jason Kenney to ask your questions, to voice your concerns one-on-one with the premier. Now, because of the sheer volume of calls and, quite frankly, the inundation of text messages please keep your questions or concerns as short as possible the calls will not be screened or curated in any way with one exception if a question has already been asked by a previous caller you won't be able to ask it again and i do ask you to please be respectful the numbers to call 403-974-8255 in Calgary. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province is 1-800-563-7770. I wanted to get to this text message. Uh, it's been here for a long time. Uh, Mr. Premier, the text says the PCR testing system is no longer overwhelmed. When will all Albertans once again have access to this test? Home tests are okay for a first effort, but are also unreliable and inadequate in many cases. It is time to reopen PCR testing. What is your response to that? Thanks. Well, that's probably a question better put to our chief medical officer, Dr. Hinshaw, because we obviously follow the advice from the medical experts on the best testing protocols. Um, And, you know, what we've seen all around the world, first of all, through the Omicron wave, which was so incredibly transmissible that uh, pretty much every jurisdiction, with only a couple of exceptions, significantly scaled back their PCR testing to focus on uh, the most at-risk populations. And we want to have continue to prioritize the, uh, those folks, like people living in nursing homes and, and hospitals and people who are immunocompromised, so we can get test results back really quick for them. Um, but uh, for the, the broader general population, um, again, I will, if at some point we get advice that it should be broadened back up in terms of the criteria to access those, we will do so. We can, if really stretched, uh, Alberta Precision Laboratories can process about eighteen to 20,000 uh, test samples a day. Okay. And uh, so that is our maximum capacity. I will say we kind of burned out the system, though. We were going so hard with such big numbers for so long uh, that um, they, they did need to take a step back as, as, as uh, processing times were getting very long. But we'll take, we'll take further medical advice on that from uh, the public health experts. Just before we go to the phones, and uh, Charlotte, you are going to be next, so get ready. Um, in keeping with the, uh, the COVID uh, uh, topic here, uh, Mr. Kenny, did the government overreach to take powers away from municipal governments to decide on mask mandates. And having said that, is there not a political hierarchy? I mean, you can't have a municipal government deciding the rules for the province. The province can't decide the rules for the country. But what about the mask mandates? Well, good question. So, no, I think we've shown great flexibility. Some municipalities over the past two years did bring in their own rules and various things. But ultimately, uh, public health is primarily a provincial government responsibility. And uh, there was no compelling public health rationale for municipalities to do this. It was clearly uh, performative politics, not public health. Even Edmonton's own uh, chief medical officer advised council that that it was 
uh, correct at this time to move to voluntary mask wearing. And uh, I think it was 68% of Edmontonians consulted by the council said that they wanted uh, to drop the mandatory mask requirement. So in, in my view, as we hopefully, we hope, leave COVID behind us, move into uh, a new phase of this, we want to do so united with clarity and consistency, not divided um, with confusion about what the rules are. And that's why we've, we're seeking one consistent provincial approach. All right. Let's go to those phones. Charlotte has been waiting for about 20 minutes. Charlotte, I hope you're still there. Uh, thank you for your yeah. patience. Uh, your question for Mr. Kenny. Hello, Premier. I'm in Edmonton, and uh, we have a severe homelessness problem. As a woman, I really don't feel safe, and it makes our city look like a mess. I know it's not great for business because no one wants to come out. My friends don't want to come out with me. Although I know you have invested a lot in addictions and shelter services, those are all short-term solutions. What we really need is long-term housing with staff that can help them with their issues. The cities really needed money to build affordable housing, and you hardly gave them any. But when you, why won't you do anything to address homelessness, to address this problem for us? Well, thank you very much for, for the question and, and for your concern for people living uh, without homes. And, and uh, we, we're all concerned. We've seen an increase through COVID especially. Uh, I think there's been more more social challenges, and we've seen that in our, our two biggest city urban core areas. So um, we, the Ministry of Seniors and Housing's core budget is $664 million, and that's a, a $9 million increase. So there is increased support. Um, and... We are. We have a strategy through uh, Alberta's 10-year strategy to improve and expand affordable housing to support an additional 25,000 households over the next decade, uh, working with the federal government as well. Uh, that includes $14 million over the next three years to fund additional rental supports for approximately 3,000 households in need of affordable housing. And uh, we're also working with Indigenous communities specifically on, on housing initiatives. But as you've noted, a lot of this does link back to the crisis on, in addictions and, and mental health. And this is the first government in Alberta history to create a, a dedicated ministry uh, for addictions and mental health. We have put uh, an additional more than $200 million in support there. We've eliminated fees for accessing uh, government-funded treatment centres. We're creating 8,000 addiction addiction additional addiction treatment spaces. We're building five new long-term recovery treatment centers and doing a, a lot of important work on opioid replacement therapy, etc. So uh, there are some very important initiatives underway with with uh, partners in the community to uh, address the, the terrible addictions crisis, which is also making the homelessness problem worse. All right, we'll move on to our next caller, uh, Bjorn. Uh, Bjorn, you're on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Your question, sir. Hello, Jason. Uh, sorry, first I want to say thank you for leading, pioneering the way back to freedom here for us in Canada. I love it. I love what you're doing. My daughter, I can see her face when she's singing now, uh, and she can see me while I'm smiling at her, so I appreciate that. Um, uh, that's in her singing class. And my question is this. Uh, I love everything you're doing, freedom, independency. I love that. But the problem is worldwide, I see that the dependency that we have towards each other is kind of like that glue that keeps us together and to like alienate now uh, half of the planet and, and put all these sanctions on them and have no more business relations with them is really bad. So and what can we do in the long run to have the independency we need so that we don't get too vulnerable but have also that necessary dependency on each other and keep business flowing even with Russia uh, because I don't agree with uh, villainizing them now because right. the U.S. has been doing the same thing they have said 
mm. uh, have made false claims for wars and, and, and been doing the same thing. All right. Thank you, thank you Bjorn. So, yeah, I, I think one of the uh, tragic consequences of the COVID era has been so much social division. And we've seen a great polarization, I think probably more so in Alberta than other provinces on this, where we've had a, a big chunk of people who who thought the government was too reluctant to bring in restrictions and too eager to lift them. On the other side, a big chunk of people who thought uh, uh, we were too eager to bring in restrictions. The, the truth is that, that our government, like governments all around the world, were trying imperfectly through trial and error. Uh, to strike the right balance, uh, to minimize fatalities and prevent a disaster in our hospitals while also um, minimizing the damaging effect of restrictions on people's mental and emotional well-being as well as their financial well-being. And at the end of the day, we emerge, we hope, from the worst of COVID with a fatality rate that is well below the Canadian national average per capita, about one-third of the American fatality rate, and about one-half of Europe's. And we did that with lighter restrictions than most of those jurisdictions. I think that speaks pretty well uh, to the response of Albertans, but of course, most especially our frontline healthcare workers. But Bjorn, I, I agree with you in this sense. We need to move together, trying to reestablish a sense of unity. There's been so much division, even in families and, and faith groups and, 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 and communities, about restrictions and vaccines and all of that. Let's leave that, let's let it recede in the rearview mirror. Let's look through the windshield at what I think is a very bright future for Alberta. All right, we have a quick text message. Well, it's a long text message. I'm going to uh, bypass that one and go to a shorter one, Mr. Kenny. Uh, please ask Mr. Kenny to, when are we going to pay down the debt? There is too much going to debt servicing. And we have a short amount of time for that answer, sir. Yes, thank you. I sent this message to Alberta municipal leaders this week because they were already getting out their shopping lists for the surpluses that we have not yet fully realized. And my message was this. Folks, this might be our last energy boom. Let's bank it. Let's pay down our debt. Let's put money away in our savings account called the Heritage Fund uh, so that it, uh, we stabilize the province's finances for generations to come. Let's not start a spending spree. Uh, when we haven't even real, begun realizing meaningful surpluses, let's pay down that debt. And, and it, adding into the Heritage Fund, right now it's making double-digit returns, which is a lot better than what we the 2% interest we're paying on debt. So a, a debt payment and Heritage Fund investment strategy is what I hope we can do in the midterm, should we have the good fortune of surpluses. Thank you for that. Premier Jason Kenney will return to take more of your calls or texts. The number in Calgary is 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780 Across the province, 1-800-563-7770. I'm Wayne Nelson, and we'll be back to wrap things up on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as your host and moderator of this new show for listeners throughout the province. Every Saturday morning from 10 until 11 in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chad. It is your province, your premier, your opportunity to speak directly with Premier Jason Kenney. Do you have a concern or an issue you'd like to bring to the premier's attention? Or do you have a specific question you'd like the premier to answer? This is your opportunity. The numbers to phone or text 403-974-8255 in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Elsewhere in the province, 1-800-563-7770. Now, if you phone any of those numbers and you get a busy signal, uh, keep trying because uh, the phone board's lit up. Uh, we have a ton of calls. We also have been inundated with text messages. And I'd like to start off, uh, Mr. Premier, with this one from Edmonton. Uh, 
This is from uh, an organ transplant patient in Edmonton. Thanks for taking my message. Premier Kenny, in 2019, you and former Health Minister Shandro really caused unhelpful change for people with disabilities on the ACE benefits program, future considerations for cutbacks on benefits, and changed its disbursement dates. Remicade therapy was removed from disabled persons who really needed it. You said the Alberta government would not be dictated to by Janssen Pharmaceutical Company when they offered to help with millions for the Remicade costs that you still rejected. Disabled persons deserve better help by the Alberta government with better support as COVID had hit persons with disabilities very hard. Will you help disabled persons better than you have in the previous couple of years? Well, we are. Thank you for the good question. And we, we are, uh, as a province, uh, investing more than ever in support for persons with disabilities. The um, reality is that uh, when I think when you talk about Remicade, I think you're mentioning that we uh, allowed for uh, a generic product to replace the brand name with a significant saving. And it's dem- that has proven to be a clinically appropriate decision to make. Um, very often, uh, you know, after a few years, a brand name product has to go according to law. They have to share their patent in the open market, and that allows for generic producers to make uh, a less expensive version. Um, we have actually added a, n- a number of very expensive brand name drugs to Alberta Health Insurance, for, particularly for rare diseases, for, for kids with rare diseases, and, and uh, demonstrating that we'll, we'll always be there through, a, through our health system to support people who have those unique needs. Um, so uh, thank you for raising that and uh, appreciate that. Mr. Kenny, uh, just to follow up to that question, uh, health care in this province has really taken a hit. Uh, COVID shows uh, right across the country that health care was, was really unprepared. Uh, how are you, I mean, you have announced uh, several, I think, $300 million toward, uh, toward health care. Um, is that enough? Are we doing enough? What, where do we need to go? Because health care uh, basically eats up a, a good chunk of uh, the provincial budget. Yeah, uh, over 40% of it, Wayne. That's a great question. The truth is this. Uh, we inherited in uh, 2019 the most expensive health system in Canada on a per capita basis, uh, but some of the lowest outcomes, not because of our great frontline health care staff, but there's other reasons. You know, we inherited in 2019, according to the Canadian Institutes of Health Information, the lowest per capita number of ICU beds in the country. And that did not serve us well through COVID at, at various points when we almost ran out of maximum capacity. These are issues that we must address. Now, we are putting more money into the system. In fact, uh, we've increased the baseline health budget by about $2 billion, uh, $600 million in this year's budget. Part of that to to increase the baseline number of intensive care beds by about 50, as well as uh, to uh, rapidly get on top of and reduce the surgical wait times through our Alberta Surgical Initiative that will contract out more publicly insured services to privately operated charter surgical facilities. We're also going to be training and hiring more staff. But at the end of the day, money's not the only answer here. Uh, We've got to get uh, deeper into why is it that Alberta, with a very expensive system, has had longer surgical wait times, longer diagnostic wait times uh, and fewer ICU beds uh, and that's something I'll be speaking to in the very near future. All right. Now Bill I think has been waiting half the show to ask his question. I hope you're still there Bill. I appreciate your patience. Uh, you were on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Okay thanks. Um, okay Mr. Kenney given and I, I'll put it the abysmal response to COVID the usurpation of our charter rights um the complete disregard for a robust emergency measures plan and your own statements initially on the fact that COVID, as was proven later on, only has less than 1% uh, death rate. 
that usually with people with multiple comorbidities, as was proven. All right. Um, Bill, I think I'm that... I'm curious uh, as to whether or not we're going to have a robust inquiry into, and with criminal charges, if need be, into the not only the government, but the healthcare system's handling of the COVID outbreak in this province. All right. Thanks for that question, Bill. Mr. Premier. Yeah, so thank you, Bill. As I said, there was no textbook about how to make the the right decisions through a once-in-a-century uh, pandemic. But I, I hear in the way you framed that question as a real skepticism about COVID as a threat. Sir, the reality is we've just moved past 4,000 COVID fatalities in Alberta over the past two years uh, and, and significant excess deaths. That is to say, if you try to dismiss those by saying, well, those folks were very ill and elderly, m- many of them were. And, and therefore would have passed away anyway. The reality is, if you do a statistical analysis, you'll see that in Alberta and around the world, a significant increase in what statisticians call excess deaths. Um, deaths that occurred uh, because of COVID uh, and not other causes. Sir, if we had taken the approach I suspect you prefer, let's say people say to me, why couldn't you be more like Ron DeSantis in Florida and do a, you know, a Braveheart Mel Gibson imitation and just give people never-ending speeches about freedom? i I love freedom. It's one of the reasons I'm in politics is to defend less government. That's why these decisions were so difficult and painful. But in Florida, their COVID death rate is three times ours. People say, why couldn't you be more like South Dakota? Well, their death rate was four times ours. I don't, I, with respect, Bill, I don't believe Albertans would accept uh, having lost, instead of 4,000 lives to COVID, having lost 12,000 or 15,000. Right, like Mr. many of the American jurisdictions that recklessly uh, let her rip. So we, we try to, to take a balanced approach, uh, and uh, I think that uh, Albertans rose to the challenge. Yes, there will be a, a comprehensive review of all of this, um, and uh, we, we clearly need uh, lessons learned, part of which for me, critically important, increase healthcare capacity. All right, Mr. Premier, a uh, quick follow-up to that text message from Edmonton. Did the province receive money from any corporation or individual to push the vaccinations? <laughs> no. All right. That's all right. Short, short and sweet. Love that one. Uh, Eric, you are on the air next. Uh, just push the right button here. Make sure that I get you on. Uh, go ahead, sir. Can you hear me? I can. Yep. You're on the air. Okay. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Good morning. I, uh, thank you for uh, what you do as a premier. Uh, we can only imagine it is a uh, thankless uh, job or position. I guess it's, uh, yeah. Sometimes, yes. Yes. Yep. Eric, uh, we need to get to the point because we're running yeah, out of time. And the positive tone speech earlier this month, and also with removing most mandates so far. So on April 9, you will be facing a leadership review vote. Uh, listening to you over the last few weeks and in a fundraising event last week Saturday, you mentioned there is an angry group of people who are trying to undermine your leadership and party. In my opinion, you are not at all like Prime Minister Trudeau. However, you are somewhat doing the same thing as him by calling these people extremists and a part of the convoy protest, who you supported when they were going against our Prime Minister, However, when they are against you, they are considered extreme. All right. Many of these people who are staunch conservatives but feel that you have still as a leader, but do have faith in the UCP party. All right, Eric, we're going to have Eric. I'm going to have to cut you off, uh, Mr. Premier. Do you have a, a short response to I that? Have, one? So this is I... okay. So. Um... Yes, I agreed with uh, the convoy protesters in my opposition to the federal uh, vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers because I doesn't I, I think it has no useful purpose from a public health point of view, and would and just hurts our 
uh, supply chains and sympathetic to people who have been angry about restrictions. I have myself, and we have lifted not some, but all of those restrictions here in Alberta. Um, and I welcome accountability from UCP party members. Uh, and so, but I'm also pointing out at the same time that there are some people with truly extreme views. I mean, there's one guy running around the province uh, trying to organize to disrupt our party and government, my leadership, who was excluded as a candidate in the last election because he said that, quotes, Muslims are Satan worshippers. Uh, and, you know, comments like this are, are extreme. And uh, we, we shouldn't, put, uh, you know, sugarcoat that. Uh, the United Conservative Party is and must be a mainstream conservative party in the broad mainstream of Alberta politics and values. And, uh, and I think we need to watch out. For some of those truly extreme voices that have always operated on the fringe in this party, in this province, in parties that typically get two or three percent of the vote, right. you know, the Freedom Conservative Party, they got two percent of the vote. Uh, those people have a right to vote for values that are outside the mainstream. But and I also have a right to identify when people with hateful views are trying to get involved uh, in destabilizing this mainstream conservative party. Absolutely. Premier Kenny, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us today. We will do this again next Saturday morning at the same time. Thanks very much. All right, and if you weren't able to get through, uh, next week, we're back on the air, 10 o'clock, right throughout the province. I'm Wayne Nelson. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.